Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. So 34-year-old Andrew Kerr was with his wife and their three-month-old child on on a beach in northern Queensland. And and they were there, and they were in their tent sleeping, and and a 14-foot saltwater crocodile made its way into their tent. It grabbed onto Andrew's leg, and in that moment, literally crushed and broke his leg, began to drag him out as his wife reaches out for her, you know, for his hand, and she's holding him on one hand and the baby in the other, and the screaming's happening and the chaos is happening. And in the tent nearby was 60-year-old grandma Alicia Sorahan. She hears all this commotion. She jumps out of her tent. She sees this crocodile dragging away Andrew back to the beach. She, in that moment, 60 years old, jumps through the air and lands on the crocodile, attempting to cover its eyes. Well, in that moment, the crocodile rears its head back, breaks her nose, and in that also ends up breaking her arm, completely mangling her arm, and even to this day, day. She just has a mangled arm from this event. Thankfully, her son Jason came out with his revolver, shot the crocodile four times, and killed it. And I think about that story, and I think, man, that is one tough grandma. You do not want to mess with her. Alicia was attempting to uh, cover the croc's eyes with her hands to render it helpless and tame. See, it's an old practice. You try to render your opponent helpless by making them blind. You know, that's what our spiritual enemy, the devil, does. He tries to blind us to God and God's truth for our lives so that we'll be helpless, that we'll be hopeless. In fact, Jesus said of this enemy, this evil one, this devil, John 10, 10, he said, he has come, he's come to blind you and to kill you and destroy you and to take from you destroy your life. Today, we're going to look at some incredible insight that the Apostle Paul has as he shares with the Ephesian Christians and also for us, with us. And in his hope and his prayer is that the eyes of their heart and our hearts would not be blinded so that we'd be helpless and hopeless, but the eyes of our hearts would be open to see the beauty of God, to truly see Jesus and to see his great power. So today what we're actually doing is we're gonna peer into the heart of a pastor. You know, if if I were to bring up uh, some of my pastor friends on stage and we were to spread out, and, and, and you were to listen in to our conversation, if we were to talk and if we were to share with one another our heart, and what's our heart for you? What do we desire for you? What is it that we're praying about for you? What is it we're thinking about and dwelling on and strategizing on? What are we praying on? What's in our heart? Well, if this stage was full of pastors, what we would be sharing with you, our heart, would be exactly what we're gonna look at today what Paul shares when he shares his heart with these Ephesian believers. So today, it's a chance to see the heart of, God, of a pastor, which is hopefully the heart of God, because we don't want you blinded. We don't want you helpless. We want the eyes of your heart 
to be wide open to the Lord. So let's peer into the heart of a pastor. And it starts with this. Pastors want you to keep the main thing the main thing. All pastors desire that for you. And what is the main thing? The main thing is to have this passionate love relationship with Jesus Christ and then also have a genuine love for others. Now, our, our computer's been a little glitchy today, so I would encourage you, in case it doesn't show up, go to your phones, the YouVersion Bible app. Make sure you're, uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And Paul says this to the Ephesians. Verse 15, he says this. He says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. And I pray for you constantly. So verse 15, these Ephesians, Paul lets us know, man, they're keeping the main thing, the main thing. That they have this, he says, this strong faith in Jesus and they have a deep love for others. And so as a pastor, man, he's not stopping. He just keeps giving thanks to God and he's praying constantly for them. Why? Why is he praying constantly for them? Well, we as pastors... We believe that we have the greatest privilege and the greatest responsibility in the world. And that's the privilege and responsibility to share the love of God with as many people as we possibly can. That you would then know the love of God, that you'd experience a love relationship with God, and you'd grow and develop in your love for the believers, for other people. In fact, there's nothing more painful for pastors than to think that our efforts towards pointing you to a relationship with Jesus and a love for others, to think that that's wasted or that's in vain. Paul says it this way. It's very interesting as he shares with some of the congregations that he was a pastor to. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 or chapter 3, he said this, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you, in other words, blinded your eyes, and that our efforts might have been useless. Say useless. Useless. He then says to the Philippian church, he says, hold firmly to the word of life then, and on the day of Christ's return, I'll be proud that I didn't run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Or another translation says that my work was not for nothing. And then he said to the, the Galatian church, he said this, he says, I'm worried about you. Can it be that all my work for you has been for nothing? Another translation, that it's been wasted? Here's Paul, and he's pouring out his heart to three of his congregations, and he's just pouring out saying, man, I really hope, I pray that all my efforts, all my time, all my energy to point you to Jesus, to share the love of God, to help you grow and develop in your love for him and in your love for others, I pray it hasn't been wasted. Every pastor wrestles with this at some point. We all, we look in the mirror and we wonder, oh man. And, and it's usually in those times of discouragement. And we're like, man, has this been a waste? Has it been in vain? Let me ask you, do you have that kind of strong faith in Jesus Christ? Do you have that sense that man, God has called me to love others? That I am living, I'm keeping the main thing, the main thing. Or have our efforts been wasted or useless or been in vain? 
Man, we want all of you to keep the main thing, the main thing. Love God, love others. That's where we start our lives. Well, a pastor, secondly, a pastor never gives up. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, he says this. He says, I keep asking the Lord. I keep asking. Why? Because a pastor believes more than anything else. We believe that God can change your life. We believe that God can transform your life, that he can transform your future, that he can give you a destiny, that he has a destiny for you, that he has something for you beyond what you can possibly think or imagine, that God is in the business of taking sin-wrecked lives and bringing healing, bringing wholeness, health, restoration, reconciliation. And Paul says this, he says, I don't give up on it. So I keep asking and I keep praying and I keep coming before God. And my wonder is, what about you? Do you keep asking God? Do you keep coming before God? Are you coming before him and laying your request, your prayers before him, or do you find yourself saying, man, I've been praying for that for a long time and it doesn't seem like God's listening. It doesn't seem like God's paying attention. And you kind of fade and you kind of wander and Next thing you know, you haven't been lifting it up in prayer anymore. Jesus told the disciples a parable in John, or excuse me, Luke 18. And it says he told them the parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So stick with it. Keep asking. Keep praying. Don't give up. I wonder, do you have a prayer list? Do you have an actual list of people who don't know Jesus that you're praying for, that they would come to know God, that you're like, Lord, I will continue to lift these people up until they profess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Do you have that list? Or maybe you have that list, but you haven't turned to it in a long time. Is God speaking to you today about somebody or somebodies? He's calling you to, to lift up to pray for them, to resume praying for them. Don't ever give up. Keep asking, keep asking. God wants to move and God wants to act in their lives. Well, there's another thing about pastors. If you know the heart, to get to know the heart of a pastor is pastors want more. Pastors want more. Ephesians chapter one, verse 17, Paul said this. He said, I keep asking that the Lord that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paul says, I keep asking, and I keep praying for opportunities for you to know God better, for you to know him more today than you know, knew him yesterday, that there would be more of that. That's just how pastors are wired no matter what hurdle or obstacle you overcome or steps you take to move forward, a pastor always wants more for you. We just do. It's how we're wired. In fact, you may have never thought about this, but when you come to church, you have this general awareness. You may not have thought about it, but you have this general awareness that when a pastor gets up on stage, what is he going to do? He's going to try to, through the power of the Holy Spirit leading him and teaching the word, he's going to try, he wants to see you grow. He wants to see you changed. He wants to see you grow and maybe give up something. He wants you to progress, right? That's how we are. It's, we believe that God has more for you. You love God, that's awesome. We want you to love God more. 
You serve God, that's incredible. We want you to serve God more. You, you forgave them, hallelujah, praise Jesus. We want you to keep on forgiving them. Surrender more, serve more, give more, 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 more. It's like it's just our DNA. It's how, the way God wired us to push past status quo. We love forward motion. We love progress. It's why when we read scripture, certain verses just jump out at us and, and get us excited. So when Paul says something like, run the race, do you think that pastors get excited about that verse? Absolutely, man. We're, we're going to preach that all day long. Another verse where he says, run the race in such a way as to get the prize. Man, yeah, we're all over that kind of verse. When Paul says in Ephesians 12, you know, he talks about put your eyes on Jesus and keep your eyes on the prize. Jesus, the author, the perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and he scorned his shame. He sat down at the right hand of the Father and we listen to those verses and we share those verses and we could preach on those all day long. I think about the Old Testament, one of my favorite passages. Caleb, there was Joshua and Caleb, two of the 12 spies, and they were the good spies who gave a good report. And, and, and Caleb, as an old man, comes to Joshua, and he is old, he's older than the hills, he's older than you can imagine, and he comes before Joshua and he says, hey, listen, I may be old, but I'm not finished. Because after all, as the song says, if you're not dead, God's not, what? Done. God's not done with me. I'm still alive. So Joshua, listen to me. See that over there? See that hill? See that mountain? Give me that mountain. Give it to me. I'll take it. I'll take the people there, and I'll go, and I'll settle, and I'll live there. Give me this mountain. You think pastors get excited about a verse that says, give me this mountain? Absolutely. We want so much more for you. Why? Because God wants more for you. God has so much more for your life and so we will be out front and we will be cheering you on because in Christ, you can do it. You can grow. That nothing is impossible with God. You can develop, you can succeed, you can thrive in Christ. And so, you know, I think about uh, earlier, I made the announcements, right? And, and we're talking about activities and events and serve opportunities and giving. And, and, and just to peer into the heart of a pastor here a little bit, when, when, when we put those together in leadership and teams and church, put those together, and when people don't show up and participate, you know, I gotta tell you, it really bums us out. Now, 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 it's not probably for what you think. I don't care if people show up just so we can say, oh man, that was awesome, 100 people, 200 people, 1,000 people, okay. I don't care about any of that. Here's why it bums me out is because I know that God has worked in such a way to provide those to us because we know that your participation in whatever that is, that will help you grow in your relationship with God. That'll help you to connect with others, that'll help you develop your faith, your faith muscles, and so we know those are built-in opportunities that God has given to you. And man, when we miss out on those, it just, it just as pastors, we're like, oh man, people are missing out on the more that God, of life that God has for us. Life to the fullest in, in Jesus. So man, I wanna invite you, join God wherever and however God is moving because God has more for your life than you can possibly think or imagine. But notice verse 17, what Paul is specifically cheering them on towards 
See, a pastor wants you to know God specifically and to know God better. He says in Ephesians 1.17, so that you may know him better. This is the heart of every pastor, that you know God better. The events, activities, all of that, that's the, we actually don't even care about that. We just want you to know God better. That's all we want for you. And we know if you know God better, if you are having this intimate, growing, deep relationship, abiding relationship with God, we know the fruit of your life will be reflected in how you live, how you give, how you serve, in your attitude, in the way you conduct yourself. We just know that that's all the fruit of you knowing God better. John chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus was talking to the Father and he said this, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That they may know, I want everybody to say no, say no. No. That they may know you. Now that word know, to know God, Jesus didn't use the Greek word hoida, the verb. He didn't use that word which refers to intellectual comprehension to conceptual knowledge, what, uh, what you and I might call head knowledge. Jesus didn't use that word. Instead, he used the other Greek word for, for know or knowing, which is the Greek word gnosko. And gnosko literally communicates this idea of experiential knowledge that comes from a first-hand experience with a close relationship with another person. Dallas Willard, in his book, The Great Omission, He says this, he says, for at least several decades, the churches of the Western world have not made discipleship a condition of being a Christian. In other words, we've taught the facts about God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the church, but we have not guided people into a deeper and ongoing experience of God. So it's little wonder then that eternal life has seemed dry and uninspiring to so many converts. Studying God has replaced knowing God. Let me read what he said again. Studying God has replaced knowing God. He goes on and he says, the emerging generation hungers for something deeper, richer, and more transformational than facts and figures of the faith. Wonderfully, Christ intended eternal life to be marked by the very intimacy and experience of God for which our hearts actually yearn. Discipleship then extends far beyond collecting theological answers. It invites us into a transforming relationship. That's the gnosko part. Into a transforming relationship with the Father, one in which we encounter his reality here and now. And then Willard finishes off and he says this. He says, a great challenge for the church, an opportunity for all believers is to rediscover the depths of knowing God not simply chatting about him. Eternal life is nothing if it's not in close step with him. Man, I gotta tell you, I love knowing the Lord. I love knowing the Lord, having an intimacy with God. And the more I know the Lord, the closer I want to be to the Lord. And I love knowing God in all his fullness and all of the attributes of who God is. What about you? Do you know God in all of his uh, uh, characteristics, in his attributes? 
Because the more you get to know God as, as your God, you find out that there's more to God. That there's God, our heavenly father. Do you know him as your heavenly father? That there is a God who is king of the universe. Do you know him as your king? There is God who is your savior. Do you know him as your savior? What about this one? The aspect of God where he is your Abba or your daddy. Do you actually know God not just as God, but as your daddy? Do you know God? Are you close to him? Do you want to know him more than anything else? A pastor desires above all else that your desire would be to know God, to know him better. And it's very interesting here that Paul asked God to give them wisdom and revelation to know him better. Now, why revelation? Why was that so important? It's so that our experiences can be discernible so that we can discern whether or not we're hearing from God or not. I, I gotta tell you, I, I get a kick out of uh, people who, who come to me and they've prayed about something. Hey, I've been praying about this and I sought God and God answered me about this, what I've been praying about. And then I listen to what it is that God said to them and it contradicts the word of God. And I'm like, listen to me, God never contradicts himself. Okay, so that's not God. It's either the devil or it's your own fleshly desires. That's not from God. God would never contradict himself or his word. And so that's why Paul's praying for wisdom. What is wisdom? It's having this ability to apply the truth of God's word. That's how we begin to know him, applying his will. There's verse 17, he says, there's a revealing, a revelation, and his wisdom is applying that revealing in our lives. Paul in Colossians chapter one, he talked about this idea of being filled with the knowledge of God's will and that we would bear fruit in every good work and that we would grow in the knowledge of God. Listen, when you and I are filled with the knowledge of God's will, when we are filled with the knowledge of God, it means very simply, we will be applying the truth of God's will in our lives. We will be applying his will. In other words, no application, no growth. No application, no growth. Otherwise, it's just hoida. It's head knowledge. It's intellectual knowledge. I want you to think about this with me for a moment. Just imagine how this affects your experience when you, when you have your Sunday morning experience. Man, if you truly desire to know the Lord and to know him better, how does that play out for, on a Sunday for you? Man, you wake up with this sense of anticipation. That man, you're like, I'm getting to church and I'm not gonna be late, I'm gonna be early because I don't wanna miss a single second of this opportunity I have with, with my brothers and sisters in Christ and to hear everything that God has for me. And so there's this, there's this anticipation, God, I wanna know you better. And you come in and, and we begin to sing songs of worship to God and that's where our heart connects with God and we develop and grow in that intimacy and, and, we, and we pour our soul out to God. And so our hands are lifted high, our hearts are lifted high, our hearts are bowed low in humility. And then in, in our case, in lots of churches' cases, you have that awkward moment where a church stops, whether it's in the beginning, the middle, the end, wherever it is, a church stops and they talk about a whole bunch of announcements. And, and, and think about this, imagine if you wanna know God better, man, you are gonna be focused and paying close attention to the announcements. 
Now I can tell you, you've never had a preacher stand on stage and tell you how important announcements were to your spiritual growth, right? That's the first time you've ever heard that. You're like, you're trying to connect my growth with announcements? What are you, nuts? But think about this. If there's a sense of I want to know God better, that you are paying attention because you know in those, those are, there's serve opportunities, give opportunities, there's connect opportunities. Which of those does God have for you to be a part of your life to help you to continue to grow and develop as a fully devoted follower and to know him better? So some of you, for the very first time, you're like, oh, okay, maybe I will pay attention to those. I'm not gonna connect, send the word connect. I'm not gonna connect, I'm not gonna... <laughs> Text the word connecting. You, you, I, my brain just stopped. Isn't that funny? Like you, you're used to saying the same phrase. Text the word connecting. My, I don't need to do that because I'm man. I'm fully in, and because oh my goodness, God wants me to be a part of that. Okay, that's perfect because I've been praying for my friend, and I have an opportunity now. I'm absolutely going to invite him to that. Oh man, I've been praying as a family, and, and we've been looking for something, a way to serve God, and oh, this is a perfect way in which I can do that as a family or as a life. It just takes on whole new meaning. And then when you get to the sermon. And you're on the edge of your seat holding on to every single word because that might be the very word that God has for you today to live your life, to live the life God has called you to live and to be able to know him better. Here's the point. Church, it just takes on a whole new meaning for the person who says, I want to know him better. I want to know him better. You see, the Pharisees, they knew all about God. Oida. They had the, experience, the, 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 you know, the intellectual knowledge. But Jesus said about them in Matthew 15, he called them hypocrites. And he said, their hearts, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And so their worship of me, it's actually is in vain. Man, my hope and my prayer for you is that God would fill you with the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you would know him better. That our hearts, your heart, my heart, we wouldn't be far from God, but there would be this connection, this intimacy with our Father, with our God, with our King, with our Abba, with our Savior. There's something else a pastor wants for all of us. He, pastors want us to know and understand our glorious future. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul then said this. He said, I pray that your hearts would be flooded with life, with light, so that you can understand the wonderful future. Say future. So that you can understand the wonderful future he has promised to those he called. I want you to realize what a rich and glorious inheritance he has given to his people. Now, there's a subset of uh, young people in our culture today who are part of what's called the FIRE movement. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of the FIRE movement, F-I-R-E, FIRE movement. F-I-R-E, it stands for Financially Independent Retiring Early. And so there's a group of young people today, and, and they espouse a lifestyle that's built on this value of FIRE, Financially Independent Retiring Early, rather than kind of the materialistic possessions, if you will, and just pursuing everything that you can right now, going to as much debt as you can, going as many vacations as you can, buy what you can. Rather than that, they have this value that says, man, I want to be independent financially, and I want to retire early. So let me ask you, 
that those who are committed to fire, do you think that impacts the choices and decisions and lifestyle that they have today? Do you think that affects them? Absolutely. See, if you want to retire at age 45, and sorry, some of you missed that date, but, but uh, if you want to retire at age 45 and you're 25, will that affect the decisions you make today at 25 if you want to retire at 45? What's the answer? Absolutely. Of course it will. Man, you're going to save a disproportionate amount of money today to get to that goal. If you want your future to be, to look like this, it's going to affect that. Your desire for your future is going to be impacted by what you do today. In other words, what I believe about my future affects the decisions that I make today. And Paul looks at us and he says, man, you have an inheritance. You have a glorious inheritance. You have a future that's secure and it's beyond your wildest imagination and it's glorious. And, and I pray the eyes of your heart can be open to this future. Because if the eyes of your heart can be open to this future, you will live today in light of that glorious future. You will live today with the sense of, I want to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And 1 Peter chapter 4 says, if you have an eye towards the future, you're, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you'll be anxious to do the will of God, or you'll be anxious to do the will of God today. Man, a fully devoted follower of Jesus they want to do God's will right now today because they understand their future. And so they understand stewardship and they look at their life and they're a steward. They're managing what God's given them, their time, their talent, their treasure, their life. Because they're like, man, I want to live because I'm an alien, a foreigner in this world. I have a future that's secure, that's set, a glorious inheritance that affects how I live today. Finally, pastors want you to know and experience God's power. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. Say power. power. Of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. God has given you and I power to be what he's called us to be and to do what he has called us to do. His power is for us it is available for us. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. So that power that raised Christ from the dead that is for us, that is available to, for us and to us, don't you think that, has the, that power in us, has the, the, we have the power to resist temptation? Oh, you bet. Don't you think we, that gives us the power to step courageously into our calling? to forgive continually, to give generously, to serve faithfully, God's power is available so that you can love extravagantly, that you can be optimistic about what God's doing rather than pessimistic, that you can be this kingdom-focused believer. God's power is available to you. And 2 Peter says, by his divine power, say power, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Man, the power of God is in you to be a mighty man, a mighty woman of God, to live a godly life. You have that. You can walk close with him and, and be in tune with him and his will and his way. He's giving you the power to do that. But some of us, I think about power, I think about our phones, right? Right? Some of us, our phones over time 
they run out of juice, right? Power goes down, you gotta plug them back into the power. And I just wonder how many Christians need to be plugged back in. Your juice has run out, your spiritual juice, so to speak. God said, well, connect to me. I'll give you power to live a godly life. I'll give you the ability and the power to know me better. I'll give you the ability and the power to even know your, your glorious future. Plug into me. Some of you, that's what you need to do. You're a Christ follower, but you're running low on juice. Will you turn to God and plug into him? There might be some of you here this morning who you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You don't have a glorious future. If I had to ask you, what, what's going to happen when you die? Are you secure? Do you know what will happen to you when you die? Those of us who believe in Jesus, we know absolutely where we're going to go when we die. If you're here and you don't have that confidence, you don't have that security, God will give it to you right now. That you would come before God humbly and you would bow before him and you say, Jesus, I give my life to you. And I'm going to trust my life to you. And that, God, I'm going to trust that you will save me. I want to give you that opportunity right now to plug into the power of God and to receive this glorious inheritance that we have that's waiting for us who call on the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we come before you. God, with hearts and hands open wide to you. If you're here and Jesus is your Lord and Savior, but man, you haven't been walking close with him. You haven't sought to truly know him better. You haven't tapped into his power. Would you just, he, he, he's inviting you. Let's, let's get charged up. Let's get recharged. And just come before him and say something in your own words. Just say, Jesus, I'm turning back to you. Jesus, I want to know you better. I want your power to, to work in my life so I can live a godly life and I can serve you and follow your will for my life. So Jesus, once again, I just come before you and I lay my life before you. And if you're here this morning and you don't have the glorious future, you don't have the assurance of eternal life, do you want that? God will give it to you right now. You just come before him in faith. And so if that's you, would you pray with me right now? It's not really the exact words. It's more, hey, I'm going to mean it in my heart. Let's invite Jesus into our life. Say something like this. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you now grateful for your love for me. I thank you that you would choose to die in place of my sins, for my sins. You would die so that I could live. And so as best as I know how, Jesus, I just in faith, I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Save me. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to be part of your family as your child. In Jesus' name I pray. God, hear each and every one of these prayers that you're a God of miracles, that you're a God of wonders, that you work, that you move, that you act. And so God, just stir us, stir our hearts to you, revive our hearts to you. We love you, we praise you in Jesus' name. 
We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.